to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. Before we get started, I want to remind anyone listening to make sure if you're a relauncher to post your profile on our job board because that is where employers come to find people who are returning to work after a career break for their career reentry jobs and programs. All right, now on to today's conversation. Today, we welcome Alicia Fernandez Miranda. Alicia is the author of My What If Year, her book, which is documenting the year when she left her full-time job to pursue a series of internships. And we're going to discuss the book in detail uh, in a few minutes. But first, I want to give a shout out to Zibby Owens, as my what if, what if Year is one of the inaugural 12 books published by Zibby's publishing company, Zibby Books. So this is the first 12-book collection, and um, my What If Year is part of that. So really exciting on that level, too. And also, we've interviewed Zibby because she's a relauncher. And if you want to listen to uh, the Zibby interview after you listen to today's interview, you can go on to our podcast link at irelaunch.com. Now, Alicia, let me, uh, more on Alicia. She serves as chair and former CEO of IG Advisors, which is an award-winning social impact intelligence agency that consults with some of the world's biggest nonprofits, foundations, uh, philanthropists, and corporations on their philanthropy and social initiatives. A graduate of Harvard University and the London School of Economics, her writing has been featured in Vogue, Business Insider, Romper, and the Huffington Post. Originally from Miami, she currently lives in Scotland with her husband and children. Alicia, welcome to 321 I Relaunch. Carol, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. You have had quite a career. And before we get into a conversation about the book itself, I want to know, can you just give us a sense of your career path and the work that you were doing before writing the book? Yeah, absolutely. So I did my undergraduate degree in uh, women's studies, uh, as it was called then. It's much has a much broader name now, but this was some time ago. And uh, the thing I always really liked about studying gender was that it was very interdisciplinary and it gave you the opportunity to look at lots of different fields through a gender lens and understand them. So I could study economics, literature, I could do pretty much anything I wanted and that suited me just fine. Um, and so right after I finished my graduate degree, which was also in gender, I went into business strategy consulting for the now defunct monitor group. So I got a kind of entry level strategy consulting job, um, which I was convinced that with my very interdisciplinary degree, I would be very good at. And I found it so challenging because <laughs> while consulting, I think, is billed as a generalist sort of uh, yes. career path, it yep. was really I was doing at the time, you know, this was like the early 2000s, I was doing uh marketing strategy for pharmaceutical companies. That was like 90% of their business. So um, it felt very, very far from where a lot of my passion was. I had been studying gender. I had been very interested in what was happening with women around the world. And I wanted to do something about that. And through a wonderful kind of chance meeting with a friend of mine from college, 
uh, I ended up very quickly leaving Monitor Group and moving into a consulting firm that focused specifically on corporate social impact. So Mm. um, at the time, that was really companies just starting to think about how to be more strategic with their corporate giving. So as opposed to taking your $28 million that you put in your corporate foundation and giving it to anybody who asked, you would actually think about, okay, what are our business objectives? What do we want to achieve? And then how do we use our philanthropy to create some good for the world as well as ideally some good for the business? Um, and so it was like the Wild West. You know, now there's like entire degrees you can get in this field. But at the time, there was very, very little. And so we were like a really young team of people in our 20s kind of making this up as we went along. So it was a lot of strategic thinking, a lot of helping companies think about where to give, how to give, um, and how to set up kind of programs that were going to meet this both social impact but also have an impact on the business. Um, and so I did that as a consultant for several years. I then moved to the UK and I went in-house. So I worked for a large international bank called Standard Chartered Bank um, in their sustainability team. So again, looking after their community programs, doing the same type of work, but this time I was doing it for a company as opposed to consulting to a lot of different companies. And then I moved on to Thomson Reuters and I did a similar type of thing Hmm. um, for them with their corporate foundation. And in the kind of meantime, uh, in sort of early 2011, my husband, whose background had been in major gifts fundraising, so that's raising money for nonprofits at the highest levels, um, he decided to set up a consulting firm in London that would be really about bringing together the people who were giving money and the people who were raising money. And so um, I had a lot of experience with the people who were giving away money. He had a lot of experience with people that were raising money. So like many people, I think that was my side hustle for a while. I continued working for the big companies. I had my children, took a long maternity leave, came back to work in the big companies. And eventually um, our business that we had set up grew to the point where it made sense for me to join full time and then take over as CEO. Uh, So that was what I was doing up until the point that I ran the book. I was working with individuals, uh, families and foundations, with companies, thinking about how to create more impact with the work that they were doing and the money they were giving away, and how to ideally do things that were good for them and good for the world. Wow. Okay. So that makes me even more curious now about my next question, which is what prompted you to leave your job and and go on this search for internships or did you have the book idea first and then you thought you'd do the internships or do you do the internships and then the book? And also, how did that even come into your head, given now the history that you've told us about your career so far? Totally. So I, you know, I I had always really enjoyed my job and I had always been a person who was very, um, committed to achieving. You know, I had my goals. I had set them when I was young. I was going to get to them. I, You know, I was taking on increasing responsibility. And, you know, all of a sudden I found myself, you know, approaching 40, CEO of my own company. I had ticked off all the clients that I had wanted to work with and I should have been coasting. And instead of coasting, I was just feeling, you know, this little voice inside of me just being like, is this, is this it? Have I reached mm. the pinnacle of my career now? Is this all I'm ever going to do? Am I going to do this forever? And I found that terrifying and um, scary, upsetting. And I just, I couldn't believe that that was the case. I still felt, I still feel really young. And so, you know, this idea that this was the end and I was just going to do this until I retired um, really depressed me. And so I started trying to get at this problem in different ways. And the internship idea came well before the book idea. And the internship idea really came from, 
uh, you know, I, I would say originally from this very deep love I have always had of musical theater. And I have just always been fascinated with it. And I would go to shows and I would come out with this like warm glow you get when you see like an amazing theatrical production. And I would just think, God, if I could just, I would do anything if I could just sit in on rehearsals, if I could be behind the scenes, if I could understand what it would be like to be part of this world. I would get people coffees. I would clean the bathrooms. I would usher people to their seats. <laughs> Literally, I'd do anything. What an amazing opportunity this would be. And actually, at the time, we had a fundraising client who was a big theater in London. And so, you know, this idea kind of like came to my head. Well, maybe I could offer to intern for them. Ha ha, wouldn't that be hilarious? Who would ever want to take on, you know, uh, Pushing 40 CEO who wanted to be an intern? And I, I really, I couldn't let go of the idea. And I shared it with a few friends who encouraged me and got me starting to think, well, what if it wasn't just musical theater? What if it was a number of different things you wanted to do? And it felt like I I really needed a change. And I just wanted so desperately to be pushed out of my comfort zone to try something different. I just felt stuck. So gradually, I put together this internship plan. It was going to be a year of internships. Originally, I had said I was going to try to do five internships in a year. And the, the original plan was to take mini sabbaticals from my CEO job to kind of you know work things so that my clients would know I would be gone for a month or six weeks at a time. And then I'd come back, you know, ideally very, very refreshed and done with these fun projects and just go back into the same path I was before, which is not really what happened. And also, <laughs> this was all planned for 2020, which was a year that didn't go to plan for anybody. Right. Well, that is quite a story. And I guess um, I have a bunch of questions. But before I, I ask the next one, I just want to make a few observations because some of the things you're talking about are very relevant to the relauncher population. Many of us, and I myself included, because I took my own 11-year career break before returning to work, but um, uh, we have this moment that often doesn't come until we take the career break. You were fortunate. You're thinking about this like as you're on the job. Um, and we have this moment where we think, was I even on the right career path to begin with? And was I fulfilling someone else's expectations or I just fell into something? And should I be relaunching in a different direction or something related to what I did before? So um, one of the uh, recommendations of this, uh, there's a famous book called Working Identity by Herminia Ibarra. And she talks about this idea of sort of trying out. And there used to be this company called Vocation Vacations where they encourage people to like try something Love like that. you want to work in a bakery or whatever, do it during your vacation time. And they would arrange these very short term things. So all of this is going through my head while you're while you're talking. Um, and it's it's relevant for all the relaunchers who are thinking about how do you try something? How do you just dip in and try something on any level? So um, you had this idea. Uh, I love the origination with, with the with the musicals so then what happened after that did you like how did what's the what were the logistics and the milestones so uh I had this idea and then nothing happened for like a long time because I was yeah. um I was very afraid. It seemed so far-fetched that this could actually be a plan that I put into place. So I think I, I skipped like a large chunk of time in between having my neatly laid out 2020 and having this original idea because in that time, I was convincing myself that I could do this, but mostly convincing myself there was no way I could do this. Right. And 
and I, I just, you know, I just kept thinking of reasons that it wouldn't be possible. I have responsibilities. I have a mortgage. I have my children. I have, you know, I, I, how could I ever do this? And exactly as you said, you know, this idea that I had put so much time and effort into getting where I was, the idea that I would just throw that away to go be a brand new something in a field that I had never experienced seemed so irresponsible. And I am like a responsible person, if nothing else. It's, you know, I now can tell you it's far from irresponsible, but I think I was in this mindset where I was really like, I just, I couldn't possibly do it. So I took a lot of emotional unpacking for me to get to a point where the risk of doing it uh, was smaller than the risk of not doing it because mm. I worked myself up. Mm. I had I really needed something. And so then I would say January, the idea kind of formed. August, I was like, all right, I'm going to block some time off in my calendar for six months from now, and I'm going to try to plan this out. So gosh, what did I do? I mean, I had not applied for a job in a really long time. So I like went to look up, what does a resume look like? People put their pictures on resumes now. They have like interactive <laughs> resumes. This was terrifying to me. So then I was, of course, like, forget it. I can't do this. Okay. Then a week later, I come back. So, you know, I worked on my resume. I went through a dozen drafts of cover letters that would really articulate that I was kind of a, you know, an unorthodox candidate for this type of role. And that even though I had a big title on my CV, I was willing to do anything. I was willing to work hard. I fully expected to come in at an entry level and do anything that was asked because I really just wanted the opportunity to learn what it was going to be like to work in these different fields that I had that I had chosen. And then I just stalked everybody I knew on LinkedIn, on all forms of social media, anybody who had any connection, no matter how tenuous, to any of the fields that I was interested in working in that were on my short list, I reached out. Can we have a coffee? Can I send you my resume? Do you know of any opportunities? Let me just explain to you what I'm doing. And so I just networked, networked, networked. And I asked so many people to help me. I did apply cold to a number of opportunities, but those really did not go anywhere. Mm-hmm. In the end, I ended up doing four internships throughout 2020 in spite of the change of plans that the pandemic wrought. And they were all through either family of friends, friends of friends, sort of one or two degrees of separation within my network. In every case, there was somebody willing to vouch for me and say, I, you know, she's legit. Like she's, she is really going to work hard. She is going to do this for you. And that was crucial. I don't think I would have gotten a single opportunity without that. And occasionally now, just for fun, I will apply for some internship. <laughs> with people who don't know me and they'll be like, mm, no thanks, but thanks for asking. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is such an important point. Uh, the relevance and importance, the, the crucial importance of that personal handoff. And you're illustrating it right here uh, where it really didn't work to, to try to do this cold. And all of them came about through family, friends, friends of friends. So just wanted to underscore that message for our listeners, because that's also extremely relevant when you're relaunching. Yeah, I I was it was very humbling, you know. I really did think surely I've built up enough of a career track record that I can get an internship. Yeah. Um but you know, I really wasn't what people are looking for. That's frankly why I find this community that you are running so fascinating because um I just think there's, you know, I know I brought value to all the places that I worked with. I would not hesitate to bring on someone who had established themselves in a different career in any of the different pieces of work I'm doing now and give them an opportunity. Um, but I really did not – I did not expect the um, the roadblock that I did. I had to just 
take rejection and keep trying and trying and trying until I found something. Yeah, that's also part of the process and a really hard part of the process. When you say you stalked people and you asked them questions, can you give us a line like what was the subject line on some of these emails or did you call them like what we, we like to get into the nitty gritty. So yeah. maybe give us a sense of that. Love it. Yes. No actual stalking occurred. I did not show up at anybody's <laughs> house. But you know, the occasional uh, deep, deep Google search to find out what people are doing. Um, I, I often, I have found throughout my entire career, whether I was selling consulting work or trying to get an internship or anything I've ever tried to do, that people are usually very happy to meet with you, especially if the thing you want to talk about is them and their job. So the subject line would be coffee anytime soon or can we get on a Zoom call? This was pre-COVID, so we were doing less Zooming, but still occasionally, you know. And sometimes, depending on how well I knew the person, I would either say, hey, you know, I know you really well, good friend. This is what I'm trying to do. I'm attaching my resume and cover letter. Do you have any leads for me? Who do you think I could reach out to? You know, promise to make you brownies next time I see you. Thanks, love you, bye. That was like a very, very warm contact or a close friend. You know, Mm -hmm. my college roommate, Laura, it was her dad that secured me the two placements that I got in the theater. And, you know, John had known me since I was 18 years old in college, like not cleaning my room. So I could send an email like that. If it was somebody that I knew less well, so this wonderful woman who I had sort of known tangentially through work, um, and I knew she was very well connected in the art space. So I just said, can we have lunch? Like, I'd love to catch Mm -hmm. up and hear what you're doing. I am a real extrovert. So networking, quote unquote, leans into my strengths and also my interests. I love meeting people. I love hearing what people are up to. I genuinely enjoy learning about people's lives. So this did not feel in any way difficult to me. If you are a person who doesn't enjoy that, there might be different approaches that you are better. But I have rarely had people say they did not want to get a coffee to just catch up and share. I'm really interested in what you're doing. Do you have 20 minutes? I'll buy you a coffee and I would like to hear about your job because I'm undergoing this, you know, I, I think I build it to people as a pre-midlife crisis. I think I said oh, that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. Um, and, you know, obviously changing the message based on who the person was, how formal I needed to be with them, how well I knew them. But it was some variation of that. I would like to learn about what you do. Can you spare a little bit of your time? And, you know, plenty of people did not respond to me, Um, but, you know, enough did that I had a decent set of leads kind of coming out of a lot of those meetings. That's super helpful. Thank you. I I love hearing the details. Um, All right. So at this point, was there any discussion or thought about a book or you were purely focused on getting now these four interviews scheduled around the calendar year and maybe take us through what did you end up doing and 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 was the book when did the book come into the into the picture sure so in this like initial you know martini fueled evening with my college roommates kind of actually workshopping this idea together uh the next morning at breakfast my my friend rebecca said you know you should do this and you should write a book about it mm. um and i think she was the one that said you should call it the 40 year old intern which is funny that we oh, yeah. have that fun name in common <laughs> And so um, it was in the back of my head, but I had not, you know, I I just, the idea of writing a book seemed like a fantasy. Like I didn't think I would be able to do it. It seemed like a lot of time. I had never done it before, but of course I enjoyed creative writing. Um, But I had decided from very early on that I wanted to kind of heavily journal this experience because I knew it was going to be special. I knew I was doing something 
that I was going to want to look back on. I've always journaled when I was younger, and I enjoy going back and looking at those journals now. So, you know, I, I took I took good notes. I took good notes on what I was doing. Um, and so throughout my first internship, which was really shadowing and kind of sitting in on two productions, a Broadway and an off-Broadway production in New York of musicals that were scheduled to open in the spring of 2020 and then eventually opened 18 months later, um, you know, that – uh, I, I was, I was just, I knew I was having this like life changing experience. I was doing the thing I always wanted to do as part of musical theater in this very tiny way. And so I wrote everything down and those were like, I was mostly, you know, they didn't need me there really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried to make myself useful. I did things like refilling the water jug and offering to go do coffee runs at all of the breaks that were scheduled by Actors Equity. You know, I swept the floor after rehearsals. I taped stuff to prop bags. I mean, I begged, I begged, begged, begged to be allowed to do anything. I went into the offices of one of the theater companies and filed. So like real intern tasks, um, you know, I, or it's say entry-level tasks that I was doing. So I did that. And then um, COVID happened two and a half weeks into my internship. The theater shut down. I had to fly back home to the UK and go into lockdown with my family. All of a sudden I'm homeschooling and no idea when we're ever leaving or when I was going to be able to go back to the US or if I was ever going to be able to do another internship. And at that point, my husband said to me, you know, are you going to write, put some kind of story together about your New York experience? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I couldn't possibly. It's too soon. I'm too emotional about it. Everything is a mess. But you know, when you don't have a social life and you're seeing no people and you're like desperate for any sort of creative outlet, I, at one point I did sit down. I was like, okay, well, maybe I will start to write about it. And so, you know, before I had even started my second internship, I had a narrative of what I had been feeling and what I had done in New York. And it was very, very rough, but it felt good to write it down and to reflect on it, especially because I knew I was going to be, you know, I knew I was going through some kind of big change and that we were going through this, you know, huge moment in human history that one day maybe my grandchildren were going to want to read about. So I kind of wrote as I went, I ended up doing three more internships. So I uh, did a virtual internship during first lockdown from my living room for a retro dance and fitness company that offers dance and fitness classes. And they had been doing that in person in London and all of a sudden had to switch to virtual fitness during the pandemic. So a lot of my work there was helping Frankie, who runs Retro Glow Studios, uh, do market research. I did a lot of social media posting, which I was not very good at. I had to learn a lot about how to get the right voice for that and all of that sort of thing. Um, And so I – and I tried – two dozen different exercise classes from all over the world and kind of filled out a spreadsheet helping her understand, you know, what those were. Um, and then I wrote, and then I wrote about that. And then I went on and did two more. So I worked for a contemporary art dealer in London. Um, and then I worked for a hotel and restaurant uh, on the Isle of Skye, which is the far Northwest corner of Scotland. And on the last two, what were you doing? So for the art dealer, um, Harry was just starting up uh, his kind of new dealership. He was sort of relaunching this new venture coming out of COVID. And gosh, that was a, it was a little bit of everything because it, it was really just me and him at the time. So um, I would be uh, researching particular works of art that he had access to or was thinking about buying or selling to figure out, you know, what was their provenance and filling out this huge database that he has um, with the information about them. I was going to pick things up and drop things off at various galleries around London. I took myself to a bunch of galleries around London to kind of steep myself in the art world. Um, 
And yeah, what that was very desk-based, a lot of research, but I got to spend a lot of time around art, which was just, you know, extraordinary for me to be able to do that. And especially coming out of COVID, just being out of the house, frankly, was like, you know, a, a novelty right. and a great one. Um, and then on the Isle of Skye, uh, they put me on a rotation. So I did a week in the kitchen. Uh, I did a week in the restaurant, uh, front of house, a week front of house. So that was the bar, but also checking people in and out. And then I did some filing work back in the office uh, as well. Mm, wow. Uh, were any of these internships paid or how did that part work? So they were all unpaid. And I was clear from the beginning that, um, you know, in many cases I was working for friends of mine right. and that I didn't expect them to pay me. Funnily enough, uh, two of the four have actually become sort of ongoing paid consulting and advisory work that I continue to do for them. So that's been a happy, happy accident that yeah. kind of came out of this process. But no, and I mean, that was obviously a decision that I was fortunate to be able to take because I still had my business that we were running and that was still, you know, providing enough income to keep us afloat. Obviously, my husband was still working full time. Um, so I was able, because I was still dipping in and out of my, you know, quote unquote, normal job, mm -hmm. um, I was able to offer my time unpaid. I don't I don't know if they would have been as interested in taking me on if I uh because you know again these were not people that were necessarily looking for interns these were like friends of mine who were like yeah sure you can come learn about the hotel business if you want. Um so I felt like I was doing them a favor and I I felt like it was a mutual exchange. They were giving me access, they were giving me an opportunity to try something new knowing that I had no experience or background in it and I was giving them my blood, sweat and tears and uh, you know, right. spilling things all over myself and all my muscles were burning, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> so I don't know, do, am, am I allowed to ask you this or is it a spoiler for the book? And just tell me if you can't answer it. But by having these four experiences, were there any of them that clicked with you that you thought, this is what I'm doing next? I mean, yeah. So, you know, I've, I've continued, I still work for Harry and his art dealership. I still do some work here and there for Kinlock Lodge, and I wrote. They asked me to write uh, the narrative for a cookbook that they uh, released last year to celebrate their fiftieth anniversary. They have never once asked me back to waitress because I was so truly, truly terrible at that job <laughs> that even when they've needed an extra pair of hands, they have not wanted my hands to be spilling their food all over the place. But I'm grateful that they found some other skills. Um, you know. Really, the the big thing that I realized kind of coming out of all of these internships is that I really missed learning. I really missed having the opportunity to try different things. And I wanted to see if there was a way to create a career that I could do some version of this constant learning, experiencing, experimenting, and get paid to do it. Mm -hmm. So I spend my time now doing like six or seven different things. Uh, none of them are full-time. I am writing. I wrote this book, which I hope you will all buy, but also I'm writing, working on other books and short pieces. I'm doing some work for Harry. I'm still uh, the chair of our consulting business, so I get involved with clients I've known a long time or particularly interesting pieces of work that I still want to do. And, you know, I'm just kind of seeing where there's something that really sparks my interest or something that feels like it's going to be challenging and so, or something that scares me, and I don't know why it scares me, and trying to create a work life where I can do those things. Um, it is not always easy. 
there are plenty of challenges <laughs> that come along with that. Um, but that is the phase I am at right now, I think. I decided that I did not want to jump full-time into anything, although I got to tell you, if someone called and said, do you want to come produce this musical, I would probably be on the next plane <laughs> to New York and agree to do it. Um, <laughs> but besides that, which I've gotten involved in theater in other ways that sparked joy for me, you know, I, I think I really just – there's so much out there that I want to know about and learn. And so that's kind of where I'm trying to focus my energy right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Well – I'm going to wrap a couple of questions together into one because I'm, I was going to ask you, is there anything that you learned that you thought would be particularly applicable to relaunchers? But I also want to ask you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, which is what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's already something we've already talked about today. So kind of the same question. Gosh, I, I, I love this idea of a relaunch and I really believe to the point now that I tell my children, you know, you don't have to decide what you want to do when you grow up. You just have to decide the first thing you want to try. Um, but I I think so, you know, I, I love that this exists as a concept. I love what you're doing. I think that the piece of advice I wish someone had told me when I was kind of going into this was uh, to not be so afraid and to just do it. Mm-hmm. Um it's hard to know what would have happened had I not done this during 2020, had I not during, done this during the pandemic, had I not sat around twiddling my thumbs for eight months being afraid to do this before I actually decided to take the next step, which was then another six months away. You know, had if this happened during 2019 before the world shut down, who knows? Maybe I would have ended up at a marine biological institute, which was one of the things I wanted to do, or working at a fashion magazine in New York, which was another. So, you know, I, I don't know. I'm happy with the way things have gone and ended up. I feel like the right, you know, I did the right thing at the right time, but I I wish I would not have been so afraid. I think mm-hmm. I felt Goodness. like this felt huge, you know, it yeah. felt so big. And actually what I did is I took a series of small steps that ended up being very big in the end, a big change in my life, but I did not do it all at once. And so I wish I had just gotten to that point sooner where I realized, okay, well, let me just let me just do this one thing. I'm just going to work on my resume. I'm going to send my cover letter out to five people. I'm going to, you know, try to clear my calendar for just this one short period of time. See if I can get two weeks where I can kind of make this happen. And I, you know, I, I waited, I waited a long time to do that. And so I would just say to the relaunchers, don't be afraid and maybe just take a small step if a big step feels mm-hmm. too huge. Because many small steps can get you to very far away, actually, if you keep on taking them. So I think that's probably what I would share. And that is fantastic advice. I mean, this idea of relaunching through baby steps um, is sometimes much more accessible for people and less frightening. Uh, And so I love that you're talking about it and you're an example of doing it. So really, really helpful to our community. Alicia, I wanted to ask you about a couple of things before we sign off. One of them is you have a podcast and it's called uh, Quit Your Day Job. And I want to know if you can talk to us a little bit. Was was that um, a byproduct of the book or before it? And what do, what do you do on that podcast? Um, yeah. So the amazing Zibby Owens, as you already referred to in your introduction. So once I, you know, Zib, Zibby does 
so much. It's actually hard to keep track. If I tell you yeah. all the things she does well, while we're recording this, when this airs, she'll have already taken on like two new really exciting things because her mind works a million miles a minute and she's got a lot of follow through. So she had started the publishing company. Uh, she had signed me to the company and you know a few other of the initial authors that um, were in that kind of first set of uh, kind of cohort that was brought on. And then she sort of reached out to everybody one night and she was like, I think I'm going to start a podcast network. Does anybody have any ideas for a podcast? And so I put a couple of ideas together um, and this one really appealed to her and it really appealed to me. So Quit Your Day Job was born out of that. And I have found I, I like still can't believe that it gets to be part of my job, that I get to just mm. have conversations with interesting people and then record them and other people want to listen to them. But, you know, it was really thinking about are there ways to learn about other jobs in the way that I very immersively did through my internship period, but without necessarily having to go and leave your job. So it really started out with people who I knew that were working fascinating jobs that I've just always wanted to know about. What is it like to be a TV director? What is it like to be a spy for the CIA? If you are a Broadway actress, what do your days look like? You know, all of these things. And so really focusing in on these jobs that I was very interested in to learn about them. And Quit Your Day Job still does a lot of that. But now it's also become, it's ended up featuring a lot of people who you would call relaunchers. So people Mm -hmm. have had a big pivot or a big shift in their career and just learning about them and how they did it and what their story was and how they got there and just having these kind of fun and interesting conversations that bring in a little bit about their job and what it's like, but also, you know, how they ended up where they are because I think people's personal journeys are very fascinating and I think it's so – you can kind of reflect back on your work story and you see this very linear uh, path, but actually when you're going through it, it doesn't often feel like it's linear at all. You're kind of making the best choice in the time. And so I really enjoy going through people's stories with them and kind of picking up, you know, where and how they made these different pivots and, you know, what they're doing now. So it's so much fun to do. I'm in the third season and I just love it. Oh, that's awesome. I have to say, because I think I've done about 250 episodes of this podcast and I love, I have the same uh, love for people's stories and, and just sort of hearing how their career paths have unfolded. And of course we talk about their relaunches and, and everyone I'm just fascinated and I'm never tired of doing it. It's always exciting and fun. So I share that with you. It's so cool. Um, my biggest risk is that I'm going to end up offering the first season I offered to intern with everybody I interviewed. I was uh, like, would you like an intern? Would you like an intern? So my husband is always like, stop interning, please. <laughs> That's so great. And then finally, a very important question. We want our audience to know um, how they can find out more about My What If Year, where they can buy it, and how they can find out more about your work generally. So I would love you to read My What If Year. Uh, know, it's now you've heard the story. Hopefully you'll want to know more. And uh, it is available at bookstores everywhere. So you can buy it online or you can pop into a bookstore and ask for it. If they don't have it, make them order it for you. And you can keep up with me on Instagram. I am at, at Alicia F. Miranda or on my website, AliciaFMiranda.com. You can sign up for my newsletter, which I might send you occasionally, but don't worry, I won't spam you. That's awesome. And would you mind spelling that for us? We usually want people to spell out their website so everyone has the correct. Yep. Perfect. So it is A-L-I-S-H-A-F, like Frank, and then Miranda, M-I-R-A-N-D-A.com. Perfect. 
All right. Alicia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was so awesome. And I just hope to be able to connect with lots of relaunchers throughout my book tour and uh, in the course of kind of all of the great things I'm getting to do in the voyage of this book. Wonderful. Well, thank you. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of I Relaunch and your host. And finally, one additional reminder, like I did at the beginning, for our relaunchers to make sure that you go to irelaunch.com not only to listen to these podcasts, but also to uh, register on our job board, which is especially where employers look for people who are coming off of career break. Thanks for joining us.